Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. And so got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Intercepted by Darius Slade. No one will catch him. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. As always, this episode is sponsored by betonline.ag. Go check them out with a welcome bonus by using the code BLUEWIRE. And with sports coming back, that's a place that you can go if you want to wager on games. So obviously it's a little bit quiet these days in the land of the Lions, not too much has happened. Danny Amendola, Trey Flowers talked with the media for a little while on Wednesday. Some of the more interesting things to come out of that, Danny Amendola's worked out with Kenny Galladay. He's worked out with Matthew Stafford. He's been catching passes from Colt McCoy and Baker Bayfield, who also live in his neighborhood in Austin, Texas. He's gotten into yoga, and he's been doing a lot of downhill mountain biking during his quarantine time. Trey Flowers has been possibly going to maybe buy a dirt bike or a four-wheeler. And otherwise, he's been playing dad and playing football player at the same time, working out. Sounds like his gym in Huntsville, Alabama has opened recently, so he's been able to go there. But otherwise, it's been pretty quiet. And otherwise, here with me, it's been pretty quiet as well. Uh, As we talked about on the last podcast a little bit, Marvel movies are done for me, and I actually just started watching Brockmire, uh, which is a completely hilarious show. Started that last night, and uh, it's been so far so good, just bouncing through some episodes. If you need a little bit of humor in your life, Brockmire would be a good show to watch. And other than that, just kind of keep on keeping on at this point, right? As uh, it's Memorial Day weekend coming up, and... That's what we've got on the show for you today is a little bit of a keep on keeping on and a little bit of a special episode in that we got all of my colleagues together from ESPN's NFL Nation that cover the NFC North for a bit of an NFC North roundtable chat, kind of where things stand in the division, what happened in the offseason, what to look at in the future. We hit the Bears, we hit the Packers, we hit the Vikings, we hit the Lions. There's some humor involved too. We have some fun with it. And uh, I'm grateful for my colleagues for being willing to come on the show as they've all come on in the past. If you listen to some early episodes, I actually think it was probably like four of the or three of the first like five or six episodes happened to be with my colleagues who cover the other teams in the NFC North. So if you go back to some of those early episodes, you can learn more about Rob Domofsky, Courtney Cronin and Jeff Dickerson and kind of what makes them tick. This is much more of a football talk and a football chat overall than some of our other conversations. But hopefully you'll take something from it. Hopefully you'll learn something about it. And uh, hopefully we'll do it again in the future, kind of as training camp maybe comes close or as the season kind of gets a little bit closer. We're hitting really the off-off the season here. So uh, probably not recording a podcast for Monday for Memorial Day. So I'll probably take the next few days off from the podcast and we'll come back at you next Thursday when it comes to recording a podcast so just a little bit of a clerical note there and you know we're just still gonna get some hopefully good guests for you hopefully continue to entertain let us know if there's anything you want to hear about anyone you want to hear from we may have some special episodes coming up down the road as well I know I've hinted at one of them which may end up being just a normal episode on the last podcast and we're talking about maybe doing a Marvel movie podcast episode since I spent a good chunk of my time during quarantine doing that. And we've got a couple of other possible special ideas, both with the line, with the topic of the lions and also some other topics as well. So be on the lookout for those. I just want to say thank you all for listening and let's just get right into this episode right after this break where we get into the NFC North with Rob Domofsky, Courtney Cronin, and Jeff Dickerson. 
There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7 as well, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex Chicago Bulls Ron Harper. Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. And guys, you're looking to last longer, go a few extra rounds, get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com is the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. And right now, with everything going on in the world, who wants to do that? Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. And now, back to our show. My next guest, and yes, that's guests on the Michael Rothstein Show are a trio of incredibly talented reporters. They are my colleagues at ESPN covering the NFC North. Rob Domofsky with the Packers, Courtney Cronin with the Vikings, Jeff Dickerson with the Bears. We're going to hit all of the NFC North here in a little bit of a roundtable discussion. Y'all, thanks for coming on the show as, uh, as we're chilling in quarantine still, except for Rob, who his state <laughs> is open. <laughs> yeah, it's open, but it's not safe. <laughs> So before we get going, I mean, really for the last two months, I've asked this question to every guest on the show. What have y'all been doing during quarantine? Like, have you bettered yourself? Have you become a Netflix savant? Have you stared at a guitar you bought like me for the last three weeks and not picked it up? Like, what have y'all been doing? I've been running a lot. I will say that the one thing quarantine has taught me is that I can run outside. I don't need a treadmill. Um, so if that's bettering myself, then great. Um, I've tried to read. I think I've got like four or five books down. I'm not like one of these people who reads 100 pages an hour. So um, that, cooking, I'm sleeping like seven hours a night, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've been spending massive amounts of money on sporting goods for my kids to try to recreate like the home workouts uh, here. A, a weight bench and weights. A hitting net and hitting tee for baseballs, uh, basketball shoes because they've worn them out. Believe it or not, uh, right? As before, we were doing this. They were just doing credit card has been uh, maxed out. Yeah, a lot of yelling, a lot of yelling here. Um, <laughs> some home improvement projects, drinking, some work. You know, it's a it's a real it's a real potpourri at my house. Uh, the only things that are constants is that the dog demands five walks a day and my son will play at least five hours a fortnight a day <laughs> everything else is completely up for grabs i don't know what the day is going to bring but i think the most part of i think the biggest thing has been the yelling there's been a lot more yelling in my house than <laughs> well the bears have well we'll just start there the bears jeff have given their fans a lot of things to yell negatively about over the last few years, especially on offense. Where do you think that they've maybe improved or gotten worse over the last few months? You know, it's funny. We get all this grief about our predictions that we make for ESPN.com, <laughs> right? All these sanctimonious experts. How can you guys pick records in April and May? games that haven't been played yet in September. And I always tell them, well, if we say no, we won't have a job. So right. it's our job to do it. But I got a lot of grief in particular picking the Bears 7-9. and nine. And, and I was a little surprised. Bear with me here for a second. Pardon the expression. Um, 
the Bears have missed the playoffs eight out of the last nine years. I've been covering the Bears since 2004. They've made the playoffs four times, I think, since I've been covering the team. So that means they've missed the playoffs 12 out of 16 years. It's May, and they don't have a starting quarterback penciled in for week one. So you take all that into consideration, and I can't quite understand those that say, well, this is a 13-win team. This is a 12-win team. I don't really understand that. So what have they gotten better at? Um, I mean, their defense is pretty good. I think you guys would all agree to that. Their defense is good. They signed Robert Quinn, who's an older player, but was excellent for the Cowboys last year. If he plays like that, then that's a big upgrade for them on defense over Leonard Floyd, another top 10 pick that didn't work out. But I just can't really get on board with this being a playoff team because, again, there's no quarterback that you can point to right now and say, I know this person's going to be the week one starter. I think it's going to be Nick Foles. But even if it is Nick Foles, you know, he's had some great moments, but he's also had some real journeyman moments. So, like, you know, I mean, look, the thing about Bears fans, okay? Courtney is from Chicago. Rob is from Chicago. Rostein, you are not. But I will tell you, <laughs> they always think that the Bears are just one year away from winning a Super Bowl. And they haven't won a Super Bowl since the 85 season. And they've only made one other Super Bowl in that time. So, like, you know, I think the Bears are probably in store for another Bears a year, which is to get expectations up and at the end of the day, probably not follow through and, and meet the expectations that the entire city had set for them. J.D., Wait, can I say something here, Mike? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, please. So, so J.D. said right off the top of his answer that, hey, if we don't do these predictions – I won't have a job, right? Because our bosses tell us to do it. And, and I wrote once about two, three years ago, Aaron Rodgers got mad at me for something I wrote. And he comes up to me in the locker room and he, I don't even remember what the story was. He didn't like it or story idea, whatever. And I went to him and I said, you know, sometimes just like you have to run a play that maybe McCarthy calls in and, and you don't like it. Sometimes I got to run a play that my bosses, you know, call. And he looks at me, he goes, I don't, I just changed those calls. <laughs> and he slapped me on the back and he walked away. Well, if we had that type of job security at ESPN NFL nation and we were making, you know, a hundred million dollars a year, we might say, you know what? Let's not do those predictions in April. We don't have I that just, luxury. So I just, sorry. I just changed those play calls. I, I said, I go, our, our, our colleague Todd Archer always said that. He's like, if a, if a guy comes up to me and complains about something I wrote, he said, hey, just like you guys have to run plays you don't always agree with, I got to write, do stories that my bosses want that I don't always agree with. Well, that was the best comeback Rodgers had, and I, I thought it was pretty funny. It was pretty apropos given all the – you know, whatever between him and McCarthy at the time. <laughs> I say, man, that's just why I pick eight and eight every year. You look eight and eight every year. <laughs> you can't get mad at eight and eight. What can you say to it? <laughs> like much. seriously, Courtney, what? Where do you, the Vikings are probably the division favorite right now? Mm -hmm. Where I'll ask you the same question I asked Jeff. Where do you feel like they got a lot better besides the fact that they added about sixteen hundred draft picks? Yeah, I mean, I'm still recovering from what those three days of the draft were like and then all of the undrafted free agents. They gave us all 12 of them on a Zoom call back to back to back to back on one day. It was great. Um, so, you know, the, the immediate upgrades that you saw were what you, you know, their picks in the first few rounds. Justin Jefferson, that's your heir apparent to Stephon Diggs. Jeff Gladney, he's going to fit right in as a starter, probably one of your starting outside corner spots. And then you can have Mike Hughes, who was a first-round pick two years ago, play the nickel position. Uh, Ezra Cleveland's your franchise left tackle, your future one. He's probably not going to be that this year since you still have Riley Reef under contract. And who knows when these teams are going to get together um, to get out there and start practicing and figuring out your best offensive line combination, if that's – they don't have the time to do that. You're not going to be messing with that come, you know, the first week of training camp and, and trying to start a rookie left tackle. 
just probably not going to happen. But um, I think they, a lot of the whole, the, the argument of best player available in need for the Vikings kind of were, you know, in sync. And I think that that was super important that they were able to uh, address those needs early on. But by and large, this defense lost a ton of production from the 2019 season going into, you know, where we're at the start of this new decade. But um, it's probably going to, there's probably going to be a big learning curve. I think for these young corners, they have like basically an entire new set of starting cornerbacks. Um, but I like the group that they're bringing in. I think that they are all very similar trait wise and coverage wise and skill level wise uh, as to the guys who just departed in free agency. So um they had to retool the defense eventually. We knew that guys were getting old and, and contracts were getting, you know, very backloaded. So at this point, I wasn't, you know, shocked to see as many people walk out the door. It's just for a team that still thinks it's in the Super Bowl window, can they win in 2020? Yes, I think that they are a 10-6 and six team. Um, and if they can get past the wild card round, then that's great. But you know, they're set up to win in 2021 and 22. Like, that's the important part. Like, they didn't set themselves up necessarily, even though Kirk Cousins, um, you know, the new the two-year extension that he has to, that keeps him here through 2022 it helps. Uh, I mean, you make that move if you want to compete this year. Otherwise, you would have, like, let him play out that final year of his deal. I don't, I don't believe it any other way. So they could win in 2020, but they are set up for the long term. Rob, Super Bowl – windows Aaron Rodgers where is that window still open in Green Bay or is is kind of that shutting down like it would normally do every October where the windows would slowly be closed forever in Wisconsin <laughs> you know so they lose the NFC championship game Mike right and, and they get blown out but 13 and 3 under the new coach when you know no one knew how that was going to go Afterwards, Rogers stood at the podium and said, hey, I, I think our window is wide open. Um, you know, he had, he's got four years left on his deal. They signed all these free agents uh, last year, the Smiths, Adrian Amos, um, an offensive lineman. They were all, they're all under contract right up through uh, 2022. So similar to what Rogers did, you thought, oh, they just need another weapon, right? Just need another weapon or two, and, and they're going to be, you know, push them over the hump. And then they didn't take a weapon, at least not a weapon that could help Rodgers in the first round. They didn't take one really in the second round. They took a running back. And I, I said, um, after the first two picks, I said they basically replaced the two Aarons, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Got, didn't upgrade their team. So, um, I, I, you know, they went 13-3. and three. They got to the championship game. But they got every break possible last year. I mean, they had – almost no injuries. I've never seen it in 24 years of doing this, having almost no injuries. Devontae Adams missing four games with a turf toe was it. And they went four and zero in those games. Um, and, and they had they, the schedule broke like every possible way for them. Most importantly, like they have a Sunday night game at Kansas city and what a week before that Mahomes busts his kneecap and they don't have to play him and they go to Kansas city and win. So I cannot imagine another season in which everything goes their way, but they did win 13 games. They do have Rodgers. They do have all these pieces on defense. Um, even though they didn't add an offensive weapon, um, I still think, you know, 10, 11 wins is doable, but they've got to somehow get one of these NFC championship games at home. Um, they've played in 2010, they played in one at Chicago. They won it. That's their only Super Bowl. Uh, two, 2014 at Seattle, they're up 12 points and, you know, have the meltdown, including the botched onside kick. They lose that game. 2016, they play in the NFC Championship game at Atlanta. And 2019 at San Francisco. So Rodgers has played in, in four conference championship games, zero at Lambeau Field. He's one and two in those games, which – you know, it's not terrible, but they've got to – if they're going to get back to another Super Bowl, uh, they've got to figure out how to get one of those games at Lambeau in the cold in January, especially now that they're really building what LaFleur wants to be more of a run, um, quick hit offense, not the let Rodgers scramble around and, and throw it all over the place. So they're really kind of building toward the, the Shanahan offense that would be good in, in January at Lambeau, but they can't get one of those games here, it seems like. Do you think that 
we'll stick with that for a second. And then do you think that even though they drafted Jordan Love, who looks like he's going to replace Aaron Rodgers at some point in the next half decade here, do you think that they are moving to that approach in part to try and extend Rodgers' career? Or is it just that's LaFleur's plan? I think it's more that that's LaFleur. I mean, he his, his mentor and best friend in this business is Kyle Shanahan. He wants to play – that way that's the offensive system which involves run action um, a lot of misdirection I mean they drafted an H-back in the third round kid out of Cincinnati Josiah Daguerre uh, to basically be Kyle Juszczyk and Courtney taught me how to pronounce that name by the way on when I was on a radio show not that long ago um, I mean are you kidding me an H-back like never draft but I mean that's what they want they want Kyle Juszczyk that's what they want their offense to be um, now, it is interesting, at one point in Favre's uh, mid to late career in Green Bay, they kind of became uh, more of a running team. I mean, there was a, a couple of seasons in a row where Amon Green was, I mean, one year he had 1,800 yards. And I remember asking Favre if he was okay with basically becoming a running team, and he gave one of his typical, you know, four-minute answers where at the beginning of it, he said, we're not a running team. And by the end of it, you were convinced that it was three yards in a cloud of dust. So. Um, it is interesting that, that the parallels between, you know, how they, they played with Favre and, and, and everything really from Favre to Rodgers is kind of becoming that a little bit. They're, they're becoming a running team. Even in 2007, Favre's last NFC championship game with the Packers, Ryan Grant was a, was a huge weapon on the ground. I mean, he was a thousand yard rusher. Um, so they may be moving a little bit toward that, but ultimately LaFleur just wants to play offense like the 49ers do, like Kyle Shanahan does, and like Sean McVay did when, they, when Todd Gurley was Todd Gurley. So I'll just open this to the floor. Like, who do you think, to kind of follow off of that, who do you think is the best running back in the division? Cook, right? Can, can he do what he did? Can he play a full season, first off? Right. I think that, you know, on paper, yes. But, you know, the Vikings, and you're kind of wondering at this point, well, why – you know, why hasn't he gotten an extension yet? I mean, they're working towards it and, and they expect him to be the face of the, of the franchise. Certainly the focal point of the offense going forward, like Kirk needs him to win games. They are a heavy play action team um, and they run the ball. I mean, when it works, when it's, when it's firing on all cylinders, it's a team that you have to pick your poison. Are you going to try to take out Adam Thielen uh, and, and use bracket coverage or, you know, dedicate multiple defenders on him? Well, you know, if you do that, Dalvin's going to run for 150 yards and you're going to lose that way. So that's how they want to be operating going forward. And I think that Cook is that guy, you know, it's just now the question, are the injuries enough behind him that we're going to start to see him take off and be the version that the Vikings expected from 2017? Or is this going to become a lingering thing uh, that just happens to wear him down throughout, you know, this next phase of his career? I think the biggest unknown running back in the north is probably David Montgomery wouldn't you say for the Bears yeah. you know there's yeah. a guy they drafted in the third round out of Iowa State came to Chicago with the reputation of being a three down back and the Bears ever committed to him last year they just never did I mean he had okay numbers but he wasn't a workhorse they never got themselves into any sort of rhythm running the football and they changed out offensive line coaches and made a bunch of changes on that staff. And I think there's going to be a bigger commitment to running the football. And if it's going to be that way, it's not going to be Tariq Cohn, who I've never seen a player catch more passes for fewer yards than <laughs> Tariq Cohn. I mean, I think he had like 80 catches for 400 yards. It was amazing. <laughs> and he had to have led the league. And I, we have our great stats and information people. And I don't want to bug them about dumb things, but, he, he must have led the league in most times stepping out of bounds. He would go like two yards, and then he'd be out of bounds. We're like, what is this? But, you know, he's not built to be a feature back. David Montgomery theoretically is. Though, so, I mean, he, he could be a, a really good player for the Bears this year if, if they find a way to actually, you know, run the football. But uh, that was something that – uh, even with all the quarterback problems they had last year, they never committed to a ground game, which was uh, one of the many mystifying parts of the Bears' 2019 season. 
We've been talking about running backs for five minutes, and we haven't mentioned a guy who scored 19 touchdowns last year, right? I mean, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Jones had 19 freaking touchdowns last year. Um, I think 15 of them were, were – 14 or 15 were rushing. The others were receiving. That's, that's a lot of freaking touchdowns. We talk about the Packers enough, for God's sake. I mean, we're not a Ross team's podcast for 15 minutes. We can talk for 10 of them. So that's why I mentioned Montgomery. Who might be the dark horse candidate to share the door. By the way, just to be clear, Tariq Cohen is super fun to play with on Madden. He's great on Madden. He's so shifty. It's super fun. But, you know, to me, not to stick with running, but the way we're all talking, right, like between what LaFleur is trying to do, what maybe the Bears will do, Dalvin Cook and what they have done, what Matt Patricia would love to be, like, this might be the most run-heavy the NFC North has been in a long time. Like, a really long time. I'm not allowed to talk because I talk too much. Right. So JD, you be quiet down there in that corner. I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, not, not maybe Mike. I mean, certainly in, in Green Bay and in, in Minnesota, you've got good established backs. You know, for the Bears, remember, they had Matt Forte uh, for a long time who was – I, th- I think they're player of the decade. Spoiler alert on that one. I think it's going to be Matt Forte. Um, this is also a Bears team that had, you know, Walter Payton, Neil Anderson, you know, Thomas Jones, some really good running backs. They're not there. So you're right. I mean, I, th- I think the rest of the division, it- it's it's a good time to, to be a running back, but just, just not in Chicago, which is so weird because when you think of the Bears, because they haven't had a good quarterback since Sid Luckman in the 40s, when you think about the Bears, I was like, oh, they run the football, you know. Monsters of Midway. But it just, it just happens on that in the wild. It's crazy. Well, but, but it's interesting since you mentioned the Monsters of the Midway. I mean, defense is where the Bears, I think, are good again. Like, I think that if they're going to win games, it's going to be based off a of defense, whether it's Foles or Trubisky or, you know, whoever's running the ball, right? I mean, this is that's how they're planning on winning games, right? Well – that was the plan last year, and they went eight and eight. I mean, you can't can't say you can't sacrifice offense as great as your defense is going to be. Unless you're, if you're going to win a Super Bowl, you got to have the offense. Now, two years ago, the Bears, if you guys remember, that was a historically great defense. They led the NFL in almost every category: takeaways, defensive touchdowns. I mean, the reason the Bears scored so many points two years ago is because their defense, not because of Trubisky. I mean, he was. Better two years ago, he was also blessed with incredible field position that that defense would give him. Now, last year, they were still pretty good. They were top 10 in, in most categories. You know, Khalil Mack wasn't as impactful. So they had Akeem Hicks was hurt. They had some stuff going on, but it was still a good defense. So, yeah, I mean, defensively, they're going to be okay, but, you know, they're not going to win a championship. They're not going to get to a conference championship game. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs unless the offense is significantly better. And for as good as the Bears' defense was last year, look at their offensive numbers. I mean, they rank near the bottom of almost every possible category. And then you've got – I call them the Trubisky truthers in Chicago, those that think that, you know, how can you guys possibly be so hard on Mitch? He's a young player, blah, blah, blah. You look at Mitch's numbers, I mean, near the bottom in almost – Every category. He wasn't the only reason they stunk on offense. But, man, I mean, if they don't get that together and if Foles doesn't come in here and play great or Trubisky doesn't have this awakening, you know, as good as the defense is going to be, Courtney, I don't, I don't see the Bears being a team that, that's going to make a lot of noise just based on one how one side of the ball plays. Yeah, I mean, think about the Rams in that situation. Like, you have Aaron Donald. You had a great team, but, like, you really did not – they weren't a Super Bowl team until they got a passing game. Like, you can, as good as your defense is, you have to have a quarterback. You have to have somebody, you know, you have to have an offense. And, you know, the thing that, you know, irked me last year was, you know, where'd all the misdirection go? Where'd all the Kansas City influence go from the year before that Matt Nagy had brought over with him? I mean, I just, you know, I think a lot of that's play calling. I'm not a Trubisky truther by any stretch, but like, I was really disappointed. Uh, in what their offense amounted to last year. I'm like, can you not get him out of this rut? Trubi- uh, you know, Nagy and, and Trubisky, that, that, that is. I mean, I was kind of surprised just how quickly they regressed. 
um, because we knew the defensive regression was going to, to happen. You can't score that many defensive touchdowns on a year in and year out basis. That was going to, you know, level off at some point, but you know, the, the confusing thing with me to the, with me, you know, for the bears, I just, I don't, I don't know what their identity is. I mean, the joke about, you know, you and I have joked about it, JD, just how many tight ends they have on their roster. And I think they're down to nine. Is that nine, right? Down to. Like, like what, what are they doing? What's the end game there? Like, you know, the, the you know, they overpay for uh, Jimmy Graham. Like what, what, I just don't understand. Like, I, I know that Minnesota kind of has that same mindset in a sense where they run a lot of heavy packages. They, the Vikings were one of the teams that were dead last in 11 personnel. They ran a lot of 12. 22 some 13 like they love their two tight end sets and I get what that gives you but like you know if you don't have receiving options if you don't have a good passing game if you have a quarterback who's you know a deer in headlights and you can't actually get the ball out I mean what good is having all those tight ends what what does it do for you I mean I just I'm trying to figure out here is it a lot of it's not lining up for me well Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham doesn't really count as one tight end because he's like a quarter of a tight end he can't block he can't run (laughs) He can't jump and he can't catch. So, I mean, that's not really like a full time. Rob loved that Jimmy Graham signing, by the way. When they signed Jimmy Graham, Rob sent me this long text like, you're going <laughs> to love this guy. <laughs> I, I honestly, this is, I, this is no, no shit. I thought there was a decent chance that the league would just retire him, like that no one would sign him, like not even for the minimum. Like, I, that's how bad he was. I had somebody from the Packers texted me as soon as that news broke um, and, and said to, to the Bears, did the Bears not watch any of our film last year on Graham? I mean, he's a shell. Listen, he's a shell of the player he was. Like, at one point, he was awesome. But now it's kind con- to me, it's at, like- at one point, 2015, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Now it's, to me, it's kind of like when – At one point, I had hair. Well, yeah, but that was like 30 years ago. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you look at it and you're like, what at what point do teams sign? I mean, the Lions are potentially doing this all over the place on defense. Jamie Collins is 31, Deron Harmon's 30, Danny Amendola's 70. No, I mean, he's like 33, 34. Like, at what point do you kind of have to say, all right, maybe I need to not sign the older guy? Yeah, and like that, that when I look at Jimmy Graham, I remember when I saw that, I was like. This feels like a signing that's going to kind of not amount to anything. And let's, you know. You guys know, you guys know the Packers. I mean, they, they have been free agent averse for years, right? Like, I mean, they, 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 they don't like, they don't like free agents. They've, they've learned their lesson with, they tried Martellus Bennett. Um, You know, he was too old and and too crazy. Um, They tried, uh, you know, Graham, like you mentioned, they finally signed some free agents um, last off season that were actually young. Like the two Smiths were 25 years old. Adrian Amos was 25 years old. Billy Turner was like 26. Like if you're going to sign free agents, you might as well sign guys who are ascending because the guys who have, you know, on their fourth or fifth contract, chances of those guys even replicating what they did before, let alone getting better. It's probably small. Well, there's a health factor there too. I mean, as, as you get older, at least Graham, play, Graham played every game because he barely tried. So, you know, to exert a lot of effort. No good about this. I feel like we've now evened out the Bears and Packers talk. Courtney's team is good. So, Mike, can you complain about the Lions, please, and finish this off? <laughs> I mean, dude, they were 3-12-1 last year. And hey, but they were 1-1-1 one and one, one, one and one to start, weren't they? No, they were 2-0-1 to start. Oh, and, okay. and remember, and I, am, I, I fell victim of this, too, the Kansas City loss was treated like a win in Detroit because, you know, that's how that goes here. Um, I remember Marvin Jones got so pissed at me in the locker room after that game because I had was asking, like, hey, like, y'all held Patrick Mahomes without a touchdown. You stuck with arguably the highest-powered offense in the league. Like, you were there. You should have won this game, arguably. Like, does that give you confidence? And he got so mad because he's like, man, he's like, we're better than being over the hump. Like, we we are there. And, you know, then they get a week off. They go to Green Bay. They lose because David Bakhtiari is really good with with the oh, officials man. as far as, like, being able to talk, tra- talk to them about Trey Flowers grabbing face masks. And then 
you know, they don't really win again after that. Like, so, I, don't, I mean, there's nothing to complain about because, I mean, if it gets worse or it stays the same, then everybody's gone. So it's kind of like, well, you're winning, you know, it's like when you're on the basketball court, like you win or you go home. And that's really where I think it is for the Lions right now. But where they have to get a lot better and where they need to show it is on defense. And they made some interesting moves in free agency there, bringing in a lot of former Patriots as it continues to be, you know, New England Midwest. Um, or Midwest England, as I've been trying to call it, but no one's really catching on to that. Uh, so when you, when, when you look at it, like they have to be better on defense, but you look at the rest of the, divi- the defenses in this division and they still might have the worst defense, even though that's an area that they really focused on both in the draft and free agency. I think what Patricia should have done is he should have gone oppo on this whole thing, right? Like everyone in quarantine is growing their hair long and their beards. <laughs> like he should have cut it all off. Have we? Have you seen him on a Zoom call? I mean, is he yes. still just, you know, letting that thing just grow and gnarly oh. and nasty? I mean, he really should have used this time to improve that hygiene and maybe trim it up. Like again, like let's do something unexpected, <laughs> and then you can write a twelve hundred word story on it. I mean, any chance that didn't happen? No. Well, he no, he has been much better with with the trim. Like it, that, that first year, that beard was unruly, out of control. The hair was like you can't see it because obviously it's an audio call. But like when I I can extend it out, and it's just kind of like all over the place and really long, and you know all of that. It, it really gets high at night. Like or if I don't do the hair, it gets like I I mean I I'm like six four. I'm like with the hair, which is great, but you look at it and he's cleaned it up and he's gotten a lot better. You know, I mean, he's starting to play the ukulele, man. Like, come on. <laughs> Good. Give credit for that. Yeah. I mean, I give him credit for the ukulele. He was talking about how he was playing Barbies with his daughter. Like, you know, a lot of Barbie dream house has been happening in the Patricia household in suburban Detroit. So, you know, I get it, man. Like you get family time during the quarantine. He's, he's been much better. And I, I've written that a lot. Like he's been much better with everybody involved from like the beginning of all of this. But def- when we look at defense, right? Like what team has, because I think every team maybe except for Detroit can make the case. I think that the, maybe they have the best defense in the division. I wouldn't say Minnesota has the best defense in the division. It can't be because they're in a rebuilding process on that side of the ball. Like it's going to take a year or two. Um, you don't get rid of all of these key players, Everson Griffin, Linville Joseph, your entire group of starting corners um, and expect it to be, you know, hunky dory seamless and everything's good to go week one. I mean, yeah, Mike Zimmer's a cornerback whisperer guru, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's just, you know, you, you have such a shortened off season to begin with and how difficult it is to play corner in, in his defense, specifically what those guys are asked to do uh, in quarters coverage. I mean, that's hard. So I tend to think it's going to – the defensive side of the ball is, gonna, is still about a year away, in my opinion. We're going to see some regression there this year. Um, is it going to be – could it be worse than it was last year? I mean, I don't know. Xavier Rhodes was like a skeleton out there. It was awful. Like, I couldn't I – could, I can't even tell you how bad that was to watch that. Their past defense was atrocious. So bad that they had to go to a committee, basically, and rotate corners through based on, you know, specific matchups. But um, I still think the Bears have the best defense. I think that that's yeah. – it's hard to argue that. It's just, you know, we're not, we're not going to look at it as such or it's not going to be the, the focal point of the conversation because the offense is such a question mark and there's so many outliers there that make you think, okay, well, this defense, as good as it is, is never going to be able to – bail out this offense on a, consist- on a consistent basis, enough for this team to actually win a significant amount of games. You can't I say – I mean, look, yeah. they got Khalil Mack, who wasn't that great last year, but it's still Khalil Mack, and you would think that there's going to be a certain level standard that he's going to hit. Akeem Hicks, I mentioned him before. I mean, he's, he's an excellent player that was hurt for most of last year. Eddie Jackson signed a big deal before free agency. You know, he's an all-pro safety as a young guy, they got two new starters, you know, one at cornerback and, and one at, at safety because uh, Rob's guy, ha ha Clinton Dix is no longer uh, on the bears. <laughs> uh, so I mean, look there, I, I would think with Robert Quinn and, and some of those other uh, 
you know, linebackers they have. They re-signed Dane Trevathan. Uh, he's a pretty, pretty solid guy. Kyle Fuller has, has really had a remarkable sort of a reincarnation after the Bears were close to letting him go a couple of years ago. So I, I would agree. I, I do think defensively uh, it's hard to argue the Bears are the top of the North. You mean they're not going to miss Nick Williams, who the Lions have been touting as like this great player? Nick Williams is a big dude, Rothstein. You better be careful around him. He is, uh, he, he is a big guy. You know, he had a great year last year. It was interesting not to go too in the weeds with that Nick Williams, but hey, look, Hicks was hurt. He wasn't out there. So it wasn't like you had this, you know, a Pro Bowl defensive lineman taking all the attention away. Mm-hmm. Nick Williams had himself an excellent year, and he, and he cashed in. And he is one of the uh, many, many former Bear defensive linemen, Rothstein, that have made their way to Detroit. He joins an Israel Adonage and guys like that. So you'll enjoy Nick Williams. He's, he's, he's not bad. Now, is he going to help you win a division? I don't think so. But, I mean, is he a guy that's going to play a pretty good role on that defense? I would say probably. You, you can't say the Packers defense is, uh, is in that top tier after watching the 49ers run for what? I think it was 285 yards rushing. Uh, they only threw it eight times. I mean, they, they, they didn't even disguise what they were going to do in the NFC Championship game. They, they just they ran it 42 times for 286 yards in, in the NFC Championship game. And, the, I mean, how, how does that happen? To a defense that actually had shown, you know, during the course of the regular season that they could really get after the passer, well, the, the, I guess the answer is just don't pass. <laughs> yeah, that's strategy, right? Like, who do the, who's, the most, who's the most interesting player, you think, in this division? Oof. Well, it's going to be Rodgers this year with everything going on, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I liked his Zoom call, and you know, Rob finally got him to talk about it at the end about what's going on with how he's feeling about Jordan Love. I, I think that's that's the most fascinating storyline in the division. I mean, here's a guy that clearly wants to play until his forties, into his forties. You know, you don't draft a guy in the first round unless you really plan at some point this is going to be your quarterback. Right. Can he hold them off? Can, can they pull a, uh, you know, a, a Garoppolo trade? I mean, can that happen? Can Rodgers just keep going for forever and eventually trade Jordan Love? Can Jordan Love play? I mean, people talk about the Bears quarterbacks. Like, that's something fun to watch. I mean, we're going to enjoy that competition, I'm sure. But to me, it's like in Green Bay, it's A, how long does Rodgers play at this amazing level? But B, you know, Rob, behind the scenes, you know, Jordan Love, of course, the expectation isn't that he could play right away. But, I mean, you know, what is this guy all about? I found him to be super interesting because yeah. he had that great year two years ago at Utah State. Then they changed coaches, and he had just a kind of an okay year. But I think a lot of that, right. hey, he lost everybody. He lost all his playmakers, different scheme and everything. But – I want to see what they can do with this guy behind the scenes while hoping that Rodgers can maintain that same level. So, like, the most interesting line or storyline or person in the division, last year it was, like, Rodgers, how's he going to get along with LeFleur, right? Like, that was the the big storyline after he basically quit on McCarthy. You know, how is this 39-year-old head coach um, who's, you know, all of my height and – you know, not an intimidating presence. How's he going to get Aaron Rodgers to listen to him? And it turned out they got along pretty darn well. And Rodgers, I still think Rodgers didn't play great, but his leadership was maybe the best it had ever been. I mean, he bought in, legitimately bought in to what LaFleur, you know, was trying to do, you know, from a leadership standpoint. And, and I think that had a huge trickle-down effect on the locker room. Now you're testing his leadership again because you've – you know, t- given this, this, uh, you know, this opportunity to this young kid and Rogers to his credit said, Hey, look, don't blame Jordan love. It's not his fault. He got drafted here. Um, I actually thought Rogers handled the, the, the conference call the other day better than I think he's handled anything. He, uh, he was relatively honest in saying that he was not thrilled with the pick and he was not thrilled, not because they didn't get him a receiver, but because they've started the clock on the end of his career. Um, but he did say, look, uh, it's not Love's fault. You know, I'll be – I was in that position and, and Favre treated me like crap the first year. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to do that. So, 
Um, you know, I'd say arguably the most interesting storylines in the last two off seasons in this division have revolved around Rodgers. The one thing I will say, and I don't know that this could be an unintended consequence of it, or it could just be a total reach. But if Rodgers, with four years left on his deal, indeed plays really well for the next two, three years, and they don't want to move on, and after two years they think they've seen enough from Jordan Love to know that he's not the heir apparent, by drafting one so early, it almost gives you two cracks at replacing Rodgers. You know, like let's say two years from now, Rodgers is playing really well, and you don't think Jordan Love is going to be the guy, you can always draft another one. I mean, I think that's what the Patriots have tried to do multiple times until, you know, Tom Brady actually left. And now we'll see what happens. Yeah. Beyond, Cordy, beyond Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, dominates the division talk, dominates this podcast talk, dominates any conversation that we talk about with the NFC North these days, beyond Aaron Rodgers, what do you, where do you think that that storyline lies that people are going to, or that you're maybe looking at the most over the course of the division? Well, it's, it's as we enter this new decade, are we seeing kind of a shift in power um, among, you know, the elite in the division? I mean, a lot of that's centered around Rodgers and how much longer he's going to be able to play at this level. I mean, there will be some people who look at the last few years and say the decline's already happening. Yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. And that they were, you know, the byproduct of, like Rob mentioned, not a lot of injuries and a good schedule that broke their way. So do we see the Vikings start to take over? And is the, is the division theirs to, to win or theirs to lose? I mean, however you want to look at it, I think that that's got to be, um, in terms of balance of power between the Packers and the Vikings, one of the more intriguing storylines because, you know, the draft strategy Minnesota used this year versus what Green Bay did and didn't do uh, and really every other team in the division, it feels like kind of wrapped up their draft and with a big pretty bow and gave it to Minnesota and said, here, go win the division because of how poorly they handled it. I mean, Chicago, awful. Detroit, mm, I don't know. I, I'm, not as, I'm not actually as hard on Detroit in their draft this year. I thought it was okay. Um, I, yeah, I thought they had a pretty decent yeah. draft. Green, I think Green Bay, though. And, except for the middle of their line where apparently Nick Williams is going to have 40 sacks, according to, to Jeff. Yeah, I mean, and just like I look at like Green Bay, and it's like, okay, well, they didn't. Once again, they didn't bring anybody in to help Rodgers by catch, you know, somebody to catch the ball. I don't, I just don't understand it. Apparently, they're allergic to free agency. Well, they're also allergic to drafting receivers. So um, it's only been it's only been eighteen years since they drafted a receiver in the first round. I mean, I mean, it's like this should be the Vikings' year to win the division. I mean, granted, they have some of their own set of circumstances that could potentially work against them just in terms of do you really think um Dalvin Cook's going to be able to stay healthy do you think that Kirk Cousins can match what he did last year do you think the continuity on offense without Stefan Diggs uh and you're asking Justin Jefferson to come in and replace all of that is he going to be a top 10 receiver early on I mean there's all these like question marks that could hinder them in 2020 but they they're playing the long game here which is why I think eventually that's going to be the big storyline of the shift of power um, you know, are the Vikings in the driver's seat for the like to win the division from 2020 to 2023? Uh, just a couple more questions here as, as we've been going along. Who do you think is the most impactful rookie? Like when I look at it, and, and maybe this is just based off of being in the number three pick and them desperately needing him to be good, but to me, it's Jeff Okuda, where I think he can be, even though it's a corner and even though that's a really tough position to transition to. They like, the Lions need him to be maybe the most impactful rookie just for them to have any success and to have any shot of, of Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia keeping their jobs. But, I, I mean, I think he can do that because of kind of how he's been built at Ohio State. And, you know, something that one of his coaches told me, or maybe it was – it might have even been Sean Springs, who was the last cornerback to go number three overall back in 97 – he, the, he said, listen, he was the best cornerback in high school. He was the best cornerback in college. He's playing the same people. So theoretically, he should be maybe the best, you know, get to that level sooner rather than later because he has done that at every level. Whether I buy that, I don't know. But to me, it has to be Okuda. Where do you guys look at it when it comes to rookies that are going to maybe have an impact in the division, like the most impact? I think it's the guy in Minnesota. I mean, Justin Jefferson – Look, the Packers loved him. Um, they had, had he slipped a little further, 
I think they would have tried to move up. I mean, they weren't going to get up to where was he, 22, 22, 23? Yeah. They weren't getting up there, but had he been, you know, gotten to 24, 25, the Packers would have tried, I think, from what I was told, um, made a move there. Um, he's – there are some people who thought – that I talked to that thought he was maybe the number two receiver in this, in this draft um, behind CD lamb. So I, I, I think he's, you know, going to be a big, big impact guy right away. Yeah. And I mean, they had two first round picks and they decided to stay with both of them. Um, and you know, that second one that they were able to trade back, I had heard that green Bay was actually inquiring uh, about that 25th pick, but they ended up trading with San Francisco yeah. and moving back to 31 to get, you know, starting cornerback. So, yeah, Jefferson's a great – I mean, it's a great one, Rob. I mean, for – kind of have limited options here because if you're thinking of guys that are going to compete right away and make an impact right away, well, the Bears didn't have a first-round pick. So, it kind of right. limits. And, and you think about, you know, with Jordan Love, like, yeah. he's probably not going to be – you know, the pool's not that wide. So, yeah, Jefferson for sure. I mean, he's replacing, you know, a, rece- a, a two-time thousand-yard receiver. and um you know, Stephon Diggs brought a lot to the table. Like it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to me. Like I always think back to, you know, March and that trade, um, the two time thousand yard receiver goes for more than the two time all pro, uh, receiver, uh, with, you know, the Texans situation, yep. just, you know, the Vikings couldn't have asked for a better haul that came in, you know, on the returning end from Buffalo, but also that they were able to take that 22nd pick that was the first rounder they got from the bills and turn around and then go draft Diggs as replacement. I mean, yeah. if he pans out, then he will be, you know, he'll be your number one receiver in a few years. And, you know, you can have, you know, a great career for Adam Thielen as he's going on to year eight in the NFL. And, and maybe you do, you know, truly have you know, the pick your poison type offense that they, you know, really want to be known for. Can't believe you guys. Colt State wide tight end, not even a U tight end, the Y tight end, Cole Komet. Yeah, I mean, the Bears didn't have a first round pick. So, I mean, their second rounder should play. You hope Jalen Johnson. I like him a lot. They're starting. I mean, in typical Bears fashion, he's had three shoulder surgeries, you know, before you drafted him, but that's part of the course. All I'll say is this Ross team, you better hope the guy that Jeff Okuda is the most important. Rookie as the third overall pick because he's gone. So you better hope it's him. <laughs> I mean, listen, I at this point, who knows? I, I've covered so much mediocre football. I mean, you have too, Jeff. But I mean, I live, I live in the land of mediocrity here. I mean, but it's not, and it's not even just football. Every team in Detroit is bad. Like every team. Like there, there was something I saw this, and I don't know if it's gonna actually happen because obviously so many sports have been can't you know kind of postponed, etc. There is a chance that the a team from Detroit could pick in the top ten in every draft this year, like across every sport. Like that's insane. <laughs> like that's just ineptitude everywhere. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so I I would say the last question I I would want to ask on this round table is this, which is, you know, we, we joked at the top about records, but who do you think ends up being the team that wins this division? Like when, when, we, when you really look at it, we've got the Aaron Rodgers scorched earth tour, potentially Vikings, probably the most talent, the bears have the best defense and the lions are what they are. What wins out? I picked the Packers 11 and five, which is two games worse than they were last year. And that's, I'm guessing that's, what'd you say, Courtney, 10 and six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Vikings I, last year. yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm overcorrect. Last year I went nine and seven and they finished 13 and three. So now I'm at 11 and five. I don't know the, the, if the Packers can survive the early portion of their schedule, which is road heavy and dominant quarterback heavy that they, uh, the first, Three of the three of their first five games are at Minnesota, uh, at Drew Brees, and at Tom Brady. Uh, they have home games in there against Detroit and and uh, Atlanta. But I mean, that's a brutal, brutal road stretch. And then they have another road game at Houston, who's who obviously is a playoff team, 
and then they, they, they end the first half of the season at San Francisco. They're not winning there. I mean, they, they, they went there twice last year, and um, the game was over before they got off the airplane. So they could be like three and three, four and four. If they're any better, put it to you this way, if they're any better than four and four at the halfway point, I think they run away with this division. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, if you think about that list right there, that you just that quarterback list that they've got right off the gate, that's that's damn, that's different. L- listen to their road games. I mean, tell me how many of these eight games they win at Minnesota. I say no, mm-hmm. at Drew Brees, no, at Tom Brady, no, at Houston. I that's no better than 50 50. At San Francisco, no way. At the Colts, who knows what they're going to be like. And then at Detroit, at Chicago. I mean, they may only win three road games. So, if, but if they can, if they if, if they go four and four on the road, I think they're eleven and five because their home schedule is easy, really easy. Yeah, I think that the Vikings have a shot for sure. Um, I picked them ten and six. And they've got you know the second hardest strength of schedule with their road opponents based on those opponents' uh, twenty nineteen records. Um, you know, they've got to go to Seattle. They don't win in Seattle. They haven't won in Seattle, you know, since Mike Zimmer's been the coach in Minnesota. And it's another night game. That's a loss. They go to Chicago. They don't win there ever. So that's another loss. Those are their two primetime games. And then they have their, technically their Thursday night game is the Christmas day game in new Orleans um, where they won a coin toss last year and got to go to the playoffs because Kirk made the best throw of his career. I mean, you know, those are three brutal games, um, and they've got a tough stretch. But, you know, I could see if, if things fall apart in Green Bay, like if, if they've truly, you know, exhausted the whole notion that, like, Rodgers can just make it happen because they didn't hold up their end of the, of the bargain and put enough pieces around him, then, you know, then it's Minnesota's to win. But, like you said, the Aaron Rodgers scorched earth tour. I don't bet against Aaron Rodgers. Like, I just don't. So that's, you know, I'll, I'll say right now, I think it's going to be Green Bay. But, you know, I'll... a lot of things have to go right in this roster right now. But they're just young in certain parts that a guy like Aaron Rodgers is going to have a feast against that young secondary uh, early on. I mean, that just is what it is on, you know, week one. Yeah. You only have three or four weeks to get your corners ready to go to play against Aaron Rodgers. Good luck. Yeah, I don't bet against Aaron Rodgers. He seems like such a petty guy that this whole thing with Jordan Love is just going <laughs> to, you know, he's already so amazing. It's going to push him to an even better level probably. So I, I, do, I think it'll be Green Bay and Minnesota, and I wouldn't be surprised, guys, if it's like a very close margin separating those two. But because of the Rodgers pettiness factor, I'm going to go Green Bay. Well, I'm going to be the uh, outlier here. I'm going with the Vikings mostly because I think that while Aaron Rodgers will have his scorched earth tour, as Rob was reading off that road schedule, that's just brutal. And you've got quarterbacks that can go toe-to-toe with him in a lot of those road games. And some of their home games, too, I mean, that to me, that might be the difference maker there where then we, you look at some of the defenses and, and you look at some of the schedules. And to me, I think Minnesota might be just a game better than Green Bay, but I think it's going to be super interesting. Hey, seriously, y'all, thanks for coming on. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed it. And most of all, be safe. want to thank all of my colleagues, Jeff, Courtney, and Rob for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure working with them over the last half decade or so. I guess I think that's how long our specific divisional group has been together. I'm, I'm honored to work with them every day, to collaborate with them. And it's an absolute blast. Hopefully you could sense that a little bit on the podcast. And yeah, thanks as always for listening. I appreciate all of my listeners out there. If you liked what you heard today, if you liked some of the other episodes, Leave us a five-star review, download, subscribe, all of that fun stuff. It helps the podcast grow, helps us maybe get a little bit more guests. And yeah, just helps me, not going to lie. Helps me too. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein, on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. And you can follow Rob Domofsky at Rob at Rob Domofsky. You can follow Jeff Dickerson at Dickerson ESPN. 
and you can follow Courtney Cronin at Courtney R. Cronin. So give them all a follow. Check them all out. They're a blast to work with. I'm very honored and privileged to work with them on a day-to-day basis. And with that, have a great Memorial Day weekend. may have a podcast Monday. We may not. Haven't decided yet, but we'll definitely be back next Thursday. And we will chat with you then. <laughs>